I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Word on the street is, I hope to one day see a street. I put the social in social distancing. Holla! <laughs> Holla, C-H-A-L-L-A-H. Thank you so much. Yes, the only yes. way it can be spelled. You guys, oh my God. It's Andy's Girls 156, but it's technically Andy's Girls 156 Part 2. One Part 1 is in the archive for now. I'm so excited to be joined by none other then founder and president of the Real Housewives Institute, the Benjamin Franklin, George Washington. <laughs> and if I had gone to the show, I would understand more of this context. Alexander Hamilton of all things Bravo and specifically Real Housewives. O-M-F-G, Brian James Moylan. So thrilled to have you back on the People's People's Satellite Style Quarantine Couch Kiki. Um, I am so, so happy to be here. And I live in London and here <gasps> the people's couch never stops. It's called Gogglebox. And what's it called? Gogglebox. Gogglebox? Which is Gogglebox. like what is like the British equivalent of boob tube. Wait, I don't even know what boob tube is. A boob tube is like a derogatory term for a television. Because, like, back in the 50s, it made you into an idiot, so they called it the boob tube. Oh, my God. I'm learning new things every day. But Gogglebox is amazing, and it's it, unlike the People's Couch, where they were all, like, comedians in L.A., like, sitting in studios. Mm -hmm. This is actual people sitting in their houses, including these two best friends, one who's a gay and one who's a woman. They're probably in their <laughs> 50s. And they 
they are literally in a trailer and shut up yeah and they film it in their trailer and they rigged all of these people's houses up with cameras and so they're still recording in lockdown and so you you just see them reacting to lockdown and watching all these shows and whatever and but then they also show like clips from the news and stuff and they have shown trump uh uh, news conference Trump, Trump and then Trumping. yeah listening to the British people talk about Trump and it is like the saddest thing you've ever seen in your life no because it's just them being like America used to be so great and this guy is such a fucking idiot what is wrong with them how they elected for <laughs> oh my god um wow I mean you guys do have Boris Johnson Yes, so, we do have Boris Johnson. He's not as bad. Yeah, but, but he got great. Corona, and so now everyone has to be nice to him. No, we don't. We do not. <laughs> I he's, mean, not really. He survived. No, we yeah. can hate him with a passion. P.S. Speaking of all things London, did you ever watch Year? What is it called? Years after Years. Which years and Years. Yes. Us, years and Years, which came on HBO, which you guys had access to a bajillion years prior. Which is this like mini? It was like however many episodes, maybe five episodes about the trajectory of time from however many years ahead until years after that and like how the world changes politics change people change um if we are facing like the worst case scenario what were your thoughts on that show i really liked it a lot um i thought some of it was a little bit melodrama but Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. couldn't i mean i couldn't watch more than one at a time because yeah um, it was like too prescient and too deep, dark and too real. It was too intense. And there's one I highly recommend it, although I cannot imagine what watching it for the first time now would be like mm-hmm. um, mid or at the start, depending on your uh state of mind at the start of this pandemic versus when we watched it when we thought like life was meant to be lived but it is I highly encourage a watch because it is I think it was really really well done it was perfectly cast but there is one moment where I was like sobbing like sobbing and then couldn't really get back together (laughs) for the rest of the show because I was so upset so they they did a good job yeah, the we're part that made the me thing. the most angry was when um, they got on the boat. Yes, and that's all we will say yeah. about that. And I was like, bitch, don't get on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> they just go sailing one day, you guys. And it's yeah, like years know. into the no, future. No, no, no. And, and yeah, it's amazing. It's- and they're on below deck sailing. And it's wonderful. And off we go. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's much more like Emma Thompson plays a sort of Trump-esque Marine Le Pen, mm-hmm. Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. political figure. And yeah. And um, yeah, it was, re- it was very well done. I'm into it. I'm into it. It's also one of those shows where I'm like, God, I wish I had more episodes, but also please don't you dare. Not like they really could, but like, yes. please God, don't you dare do more episodes because this was so fucking perfect. I simply cannot. Yes. I love a limited series and I love, that's one of the good things about TV here is everything's like six episodes and, Mm -hmm. and, and then they'll just be like, okay, that's done. We're not coming back to that. And it's like, okay, great. Thank you. On to the next. So 
Potomac was recently announced that it's being postponed until later on this summer. It was supposed to premiere in the next couple weeks. And understandably, even though it's obviously upsetting to all of us, um, Bravo realized that if they didn't delay the upcoming season, there would essentially be no new content or at least housewife specific content going into the fall. What are your thoughts on that delay happening? Do you agree with it? Do you wish it happened now? Um, I think I'm good with it now because, I mean, even if we weren't going through this, having uh, Potomac, New York, and Beverly Hills and the Mm -hmm. end of Summer House on at the same time is an embarrassment of riches. So, I mean, it's not like you're just – it's like, oh, we're going to delay Potomac, and so now the only Housewives you have to watch is OC. You know, I I think that right now we're in a good place where I'm happy to wait. But I'm curious and I'm curious about this sort of more broadly in that, like, what will it look like when they air Potomac this summer? And so far, so much time has elapsed between filming and when we see it. And also, like, how will this affect production in that um, the shows that they were filming? I assume they'll show the first part of what they were filming. And then it's like three months later, (laughs) you know, it's like, okay, let's just pretend like nothing happened in these three months. Like, I think it's going to be weird when we're sort of watching the pandemic happen again through our reality television. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I mean, they're having these women, I know that they were doing it for um, Beverly Hills, which is probably easier for them because more had gotten done and the confessionals are really just adding some you know, layers after the majority of the filming had been done, but they're having the women in Beverly Hills do like some confessional recording with, you know, like a ring light and their computer screen or whatever at home. And so there's that. But how does that work on shows that had just recently started filming and or were in the middle of filming like OC? I think New Jersey had just started. Southern Charm had had just started. Like what if someone had gotten into a big argument? Like what do you do with that footage and how do you reference it? when you ultimately pick up production again, like how, in what world, especially this new one that we're living in, would that universe make sense? Well, and also I'm thinking about like, what's, what was going on with Nene and Mm -hmm. Eva, where they were on their Mm -hmm. Instagram lives talking shit about each other. And so it's like, they shut production down and then it's not like the cast is just going to resume in the exact same position three months later. Like if something happened in lockdown, then they're like, okay, now we have to explain this using like Instagram live footage, you know? And I I think it's going to be weird. And also we've gotten so used to like New York films, you know, from the fall through Christmas Mm -hmm. and ends in the spring. Mm -hmm. And then it airs, you know, the following spring. You know, what with this delay of however long it might be, and I'm hearing now, you know, they might not get things back into production until September, you know, what's that going to do for our housewives schedule, as it were? September, I feel like, is incredibly optimistic. Not to super Debbie Downer, but like September, I would think, is like a skeleton crew, you know, yeah. like one camera and maybe not even the entire cast at one time. Like it's. That yeah, would I'm, be. I only said that my husband is a television producer and he was telling me that's kind of when they're the current idea for when they might get things back into production. So we'll see. I mean, 
And then meanwhile, so Atlanta filmed, Andy said, for 12 hours, essentially via Zoom. But, you know, we got some pictures released of what the women look like. They look amazing, but related to looking amazing, it looked like the entire cast had hair and makeup over to their houses. And the whole purpose of doing essentially social distancing style reunions is to social distance when recording the reunion. So why on earth didn't production or the network involve themselves in saying, listen, we'll put some sort of explainer up. We can help you. You can Skype with your makeup artist, do like whatever it takes to safely prepare. But the emphasis is on safety, number one, and you're not allowed to have somebody over um, because that goes against the entire idea of why we're producing the reunion in this way. Like, but also what are the your... problem is, you know, that like they would say that and then Kenya would have someone mm-hmm. over and then Kenya would look better than everybody else. And then everyone mm-hmm. would be pissed at Kenya. And so it's like. Right. It's like them all. It's kind of like how Erica Jane brought glam on the trip and now they all Mm -hmm. do it. It's right. You know, it becomes like an arms race almost. Yeah. And I just think it's like gross. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about it as much, except I feel like probably a lot of people are thinking about this. But I was watching and following Kelly Dodd's social in the last couple weeks and I mean, we all knew she was a garbage human. It just so happens that she was producing great content for a while there and will probably continue to do so. But IRL, she is such a horrible, (laughs) upsetting figure who is using her platform to spread true, serious mistruths. For example, saying on IG the other day, that she was having she flew back from yet another non-essential trip to fuck her boyfriend in New York, flew back after stooping Rick back to Orange County, had friends over for like essentially a dinner party and then said, guys, you can't be mad at me. This is what social distancing is. It means having people over to distance yourself from the location of the restaurant instead of completely separating and isolating as, you know, the federal government, CDC and local and state whomever have said. I mean, it's she is she either heard someone joking about the definition of social distancing or this is as low as like the Fox channel has gotten. And since that's the only reason she's watching, she has decided to create her own like sub alternate reality and is just expecting us all to get on board. And nobody is saying anything. The viewers are saying stuff. I doubt her actual friends are calling her out. I don't think that they are. Hell no, they're not. And the network's... (laughs) It's just wild. Like, don't you think if she was on a scripted show, if Kelly Dodd was on ER 10 years ago or something, or she was on a show that people watched that mattered, and she was an actor, and she said this on NBC or something, somebody from NBC crisis comms or PR or whatever would be calling her and saying... What you're saying is wrong, and more importantly, regardless if it's wrong, it's making us look bad. So shut the fuck up, put out release, and get it moving. And I start thinking, like, is there a reason that Bravo, who obviously is seeing this, isn't responding? Is it because they actually truly don't have control over these women because 
Brandy said on Twitter this week that they called her and told her to no longer talk about the production of Beverly Hills. She was saying too much. So if they're able to do that with Brandy Glanville when it comes to like how hard she was scissoring Denise, why aren't they doing that with Kelly Dodd and saying like stay five feet, keep five feet away from your mouth? Well, because I near think future. that they probably have NDAs. Well, I know they have NDAs enforceable around what happens on production as opposed to like they can't tell Kelly Dodd to not live her life. So, but I, I, you know, I see what you're saying and that, yeah. But I also think, but, but I, uh, that like, you know, there are plenty of fans out there who also don't care. Maybe. I don't know. I know. No, Which makes right. me mad. I know. But what I mean, I think what, as you were saying this, I was thinking of something else, and we might need to start a charity um, in, in, to help <laughs> alleviate this. And that is for the young school age children of Real Housewives who now have to be homeschooled by their housewife parents. <laughs> like, I think we need to to collectively pay for Jolie's tutor because I mean, what kind of education is Jolie getting? Like Emily Simpson's kids, I'm not worried about. Even Melissa Gorgas kids, I'm not that worried about. But the Judice tribe, I mean, we need <laughs> to pay for a come on support <laughs> team to get to that Onyx mansion of Teresa's to make sure that they are being educated in a way that is commensurate with them actually being in school. I mean, like addition and subtraction is like, okay, add together how many times mommy was in camp, multiply by how many times daddy was in <laughs> right. camp, and you fast third grade. Judice trying to give a spelling test? <laughs> what would what words would she use? Oh, ingredients for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh my God. That would be the one. Which parent do you think would be the, which parent do you think is adapting the best to actually having to a homeschool and be like, just be around their child? Like the adapting to what Ramona used to say about Luann with like, you're a part-time mom. Like who, which parent do you think is doing the best job of being a full-time mom potentially for the very first time? Oh, that's a good question. Huh. Um, hmm. I'm trying to go through like current I, housewives. I feel like most of the current housewives who have younger children mm -hmm. are pretty mm -hmm. involved. I mean, I think mm -hmm. Gina might be having a hard time. <laughs> Because it seems like her house was always on the verge of chaos anyway. I feel like mm -hmm. Emily is doing a great job with the kids, mm -hmm. but she may mm -hmm. be facing a murder rap at the end of this because <laughs> they're going to find Shane buried in the backyard and no one's going to be able to explain how he got there. <laughs> Shane is small enough to just put himself into that memory box and hide <laughs> a la Punky Brewster in that special episode where she almost died in a freezer or whatever. Like that's Shane is watching that episode oh, and being like, no. Oh, I have a great idea. I know who is having the hardest time of all. It's Jennifer Tell Aiden. Me. For sure. <gasps> but she has that huge house. She could just lock herself in one of her 16 bathrooms and be fine. Oh man, I don't know. Ugh. 
I, that huge under furnished cavernous but, situation. But just think of Jennifer Aiden with no nannies, no tutors, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. housekeeper, no nothing. And she has to do all the cooking and cleaning and tending and educating. That is not going to end well. Here's what I'll say about Jennifer Aiden. I agree with you that I think it's probably high stress, which happens when you have like 18 children. But I do also think that she's still abiding by the idea of motherhood and like gender roles that Melissa and Teresa used to say were like absolutely the only possible option right like I think Jennifer Aiden she's probably struggling because she's now like a star and she's trying to do her own business and she's selling neck pillows for reasons I don't entirely understand but she is also still connected to that sort of quasi like socially conservative ideal that might be connected to her culture where the woman is really the like backbone of the home so and I think she also knows her kids like not all of these women do so I think she might be stressed AF plus she also just went through having corona and surviving so I can't imagine what that was like she had corona but I think she had corona and she got a test because of Bill because he had access to them and he's still meanwhile having to go into work um not for like elective plastic surgery procedures, but I right. think for like emergency reconstruction and and really serious stuff. So he, fortunately for her, had access to tests. And yeah, she tested positive. She did a couple IG videos and looked like shit. Like good for her. Yeah. Like good for her for putting that up and being like, this is serious. This is, you know, my life right now. And gee, you know, Jesus fucking Christ. And like, I feel like holy shit. If- to get back to what we were talking about before, if uh, New Jersey were filming and it's so it's like New Jersey stops filming, Jennifer Aiden has coronavirus and then comes out the other side of it and they start filming it and then they're just going to be like, okay, well, we're not going to talk about the fact that you had coronavirus. <laughs> that, you know, that would be like really weird and fucked up. And I also kind of yeah, want to yeah. see like her coronavirus journey, but we're not going to have any sort of access to it. So yeah, it's all going to be weird. I mean, if they did a spinoff of Teresa Comes Home, I want to see a spinoff of Jen Aiden opening the bedroom door when she's like, kids, I'm back, like three weeks later, and they all gather around and cry. And it's like a really emo style moment that I would love to see on Bravo Tuesdays to Thursdays, one special week in like June or something. <laughs> I, mean, I would love to see that play out. I'm kind of, I was kind of rooting for Jennifer Aiden to get fired, if we're being perfectly honest. <gasps> You mean after her first season, but not after uh, the one to follow as she was excellence. Oh, no. Personified. No. That reunion, she was just so, oh, I cannot stand her. There is, I don't think there's ever been a housewife who I loathe more than I loathe Jennifer Aiden. Wait, Jennifer Aiden IRL, like right now? I mean, yeah. Yes, this is what you're why I I love that she was like giving us something. I thought she, it was like whatever the sassy version of miscongeniality. It's like she was really she was like fucking with people. She came to play. It was too much because she would she's so dumb and she won't let anybody else say anything and she just like gets angry and she can't like it oh, I just can't stand her. Well, that's interesting. I know that a lot of people disagreed with me when I said that I um, sort of 
loved it. And I know that part two was a harder pill to swallow than part one. But I also felt like she's finally, it was like she was preening. But in a way that I was like, I just appreciated the fact that she understood her job scope in a more entertaining way than she did her first season. And I was like, okay, great. I think I think she just got herself a contract for the next, not to say that she wouldn't have otherwise, but I felt like she really was kind of stepping up even if it you know went to the side of grading a little bit i uh i just find her so grading and i hated that that she does that thing where she won't let anyone get a word in edgewise and she doesn't Mm -hmm. sort of argue uh, and she just like uh, she just like yells and says like bitchy things and won't let anybody talk (laughs) and thinks that that's like winning an argument and it's like no you're just wrong and you need to shut up I can't stand her. So what has been your sense? I mean, we survived New Jersey, which I thought had a great season in and of itself. What's your sense of watching the franchises that are currently on air? Like, we're obviously all looking for a bit of escapism. We're looking for an outlet. And I think we've been very fortunate that at least the current Housewife franchises has have really delivered. I mean, the fact that I'm thinking about this, and of the three franchises right now, in terms of just personal enjoyment, I have Atlanta at the bottom, which is... An all-star franchise in and of itself says not so much to me something negative of Atlanta as much as it just speaks to the surprising levels of excellence that I am finding in this beginning journey of Beverly Hills and of what we're seeing on New York. I mean, is there one show in particular that you're watching and you're like, thank fucking God, this is the salve that I need right now. Like, I'm so appreciative this is on TV at this moment. Oh, I think it is for sure New York just because it's so funny. Like, those women tearing up Ramona's backyard it was just oh my god everything hilarious. and so and and it's like i just want to watch them do that and be themselves and be crazy and remember the good old times before we were all in lockdown and so i just love it but i always love atlanta so much um or i mean new york so much so that's not surprising i am a little bit surprised that everybody is a little bit down on this season of atlanta why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I think it, it hasn't been as exciting as some of the past seasons we've seen. And especially, I think it was two, was it two or three seasons ago where um, Phaedra was accusing Candy of drugging Portia? Oh, more than that. I would say like four-ish. Oh, really? Never, I'm really, really bad. I'm really, really bad at... Um, at remembering what the actual season number itself is, but it feels like a while. Yeah. But I feel like we are coming off some really good seasons of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so this one's kind of a little bit on the more average side, but I think we're used to much more explosive stuff from Atlanta that this one hasn't delivered as hard. But I mean, I always love watching those women too, for the same reason. I just find them so funny. And I think, The thing about both New York and Atlanta is no matter their differences, at the end of the day, they still enjoy spending time with each other and can have a Mm -hmm. good time together and laugh and be crazy. And so I'm really happy to just see all those things right now and not have it be too heavy and dark. 
Yeah. And I feel like Lou said this in a recent interview that completely um, triggered Bethany to say some stupid shit about how Housewives isn't inspiring and that should be the only reason to watch TV. But Lou said recently, you know, like with Bethany gone, we could breathe. And I think that there's true validity to that. I think she sucks up a lot of air in the room and that can work to our benefit with like the Miami meltdown in August or October Berkshire's County or whatever it was. But on a day-to-day basis, I think it can be tough to film with her. And I think the fact that she is gone, I thought that meant the entire season would be torpedoed. And I'm super happy to be wrong, that it really feels like these women can have conflict and relationships with each other and not feel like their boss is three feet away. A hundred percent. And she was such the alpha that, you know, Mm -hmm. it was all like they were playing in Bethany's sandbox. And I think that now you have everybody on a much more equal footing. And Mm -hmm. I think that is for the benefit of all of us. So can I ask you something? I got into like a drop down. Is that the word? I can't talk. Screaming argument throw down that's what I meant with Damian Bellino um OG of the AG last week because he was really angry at me for loving New York this season and said essentially I'm tired of watching these women binge drink and then go crazy and felt like it's just kind of for lack of a better word sobering to see and I said a what are you talking about? And B, it didn't feel that kind of dark to me because there's an element of zaniness to New York that I feel has really returned. It felt like this Hamptons episode was a vacation to Mexico, which we know is still on the books later on. It felt like a return to form and I didn't get that sense, but I've heard from Andy's girls listeners, even like this morning, people saying, it feels dark to me. I don't feel like there's a plot and I don't see it. Do you have any thoughts on that, on that kind of um, viewer response or feeling? I mean, I, I don't know because that has really always been a big part of the show, you know, going back years and years of like turtle time. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. like that is how these women roll. And I, I, but also I think that, before they got that wasted, like when they first showed up to uh, the Hamptons and mm-hmm. Luann's mad about her room in the basement and there's all mm-hmm. that stuff going on and and Dorinda's just being crazy or watching Luann flirt with that tennis pro and get shot down right to her face. I mean, I think that there's enough there without the drinking. And I think, yes, the drinking adds a certain element to it. And it is something that we've seen a lot of. So Mm -hmm. I get that. But I do think that um, it seems like Dorinda and her uh, substance abuse issues might be a cornerstone of this season. And, you know, and Luann obviously had her own sobriety journey. And I think Leah kind of falling off the wagon as it were, and being a sober person who then decided to drink and and got like messy, belligerently drunk might be a little bit different than when it was Sonia and Ramona and Bethany and Luann just like having a good time and falling in the bushes. What kind of trust or expectation do you have or lack thereof in how 
Luann's return to drinking and how Leah's drinking story has been shaped by production. Oh, I don't know how much it's been shaped by production, but I can say that I think that Luann was never really an alcoholic. I think she was going through a hard Mm -hmm. time and was like kind of drinking heavily and, you know, got arrested. (laughs) And, and, you know, and she was always just going to go right back to drinking as soon as, as uh, Dorinda said the last episode, there was nobody in the watchtower. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but I think because the way it has been, framed as like oh she's an alcoholic and she needed to get sober in order to survive it makes us see her start drinking again as a little bit darker than it might be necessarily but i also think that with dorinda there seems to be something else that's going on that we're not entirely privy to and that she keeps talking Mm -hmm. about like the difficult time she's having and how hard it is and, you know, and how she's having these um, emotional problems, but there doesn't seem to be anything triggering that other than her house being under renovation. So is she having money troubles that we're not aware of? Is she having substance abuse issues? Is there something going on with her and John? Like, I I don't, there seems to be a disconnect between, how she's acting and what she's and the struggles she's talking about and what we're actually seeing on the show. And a lot of that I think could just be um, uh, explained with anxiety. I think that right. she's having anxiety about where she is in her life. And with Ramona's Ramona's anxiety seems to be incredibly relational and situational, c- deeply connected to who is my partner. Like I need to yeah. just find someone I need to find someone. I need to be a wife again or a significant uh, or like a deep uh, committed significant other. And I think that Dorinda's is, much broader than that and she's looking and realizing as the years go on that she might be getting further and further away from the life that she had with Richard and the stability that she had with Richard and the safety and protection that she had and she's probably looking at this relationship with John which she pretends is very committed and of course he's not going to get other people's phone numbers because we've been together for so long but she's looking at the circumstances in which she's built that relationship and might be experiencing some regret like she went as she will say many times over and as Ramona will remind her she went in a very different um yeah on a very different track from Richard to John she went from someone who was stable um financially secure mature strong grown up whatever and she went to John who's a perpetual lifelong bachelor yeah. who she only wants to see a couple days a week they go to dinner they fuck whatever she calls it a day and maybe she's realizing with great concern that you know, the companion that she has is not the partner she needs and wants. And she's probably feeling a lot of conflict about that, which is why when Ramona to me said, oh, he's asking other people for their numbers, Dorinda is really shocked and upset and angry by that. But also, truly, what is the expectation between her and John? Like, if he's telling people a couple seasons ago, he pops several Viagra and fucks her for eight hours, like... Yeah, that's not something you want somebody that you're in a relationship (laughs) with to like say to other people, especially because you're drunk and probably cooked up and whatever else. But also they're not really treating 
the structure of their relationship like giving it the kind of commitment that she placed upon her marriage to Richard. So it feels like she's now meeting the reality of that and it's spinning her out of control. That, That makes sense to me. Right? Like, I don't know that... It's it's strange to me that this season, when I heard this season was going to be tough for Dorinda, I was very confused about it because in real time, it seemed like Sonia was spinning out of control. And we see pieces of that in these episodes where Sonia is saying stuff that like doesn't make sense, where she looks insane. But I think the darker edge is probably truly applied to Dorinda. And because Sonia has since joining the show in the last several seasons has been trying to madam morgan her way back onto an imaginary yacht right it it's it's still confounding but not surprising whereas with dorinda we have a higher expectation for her to like understand and value reality right and maybe that's why it's the the season is being framed around sort of the Dorinda demise? Yeah. I mean, are you surprised by that? Is there, do you think it should be focused around Sonia or do you, do you understand and appreciate that it's around Dorinda instead? I mean, I don't know that, like you said, we're, we're seeing anything different from Sonia that we haven't seen in the past, which is her getting too drunk and then talking about mm-hmm. how her life got ruined. I mean, that's something that Sonia is never going to get over. It appears at this time because she now got, divorced like more than a decade ago um i think what may be difficult for sonia is that her daughters left you know for college Mm. and you Mm -hmm. know and so i feel like she might be going through some stuff with that but my thing about dorinda is that i never appreciated her as much as some people do because i feel like when she gets drunk she gets mean and yeah and uh, i i you know and so like People are like, clip, clip, clip. And isn't that funny? And I'm like, no, if a drunk friend of mine tried to shut me up by going clip, clip, clip in a restaurant, I would never talk to that person again. Like I just, you know, and, and I think she's been kind of rewarded for that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, mean behavior like that. How am I doing? Not well, bitch kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. now people are finally coming around to like, oh, maybe she's, that's not as nice and funny and cute as we once thought it was. I mean, isn't that the whole thing with like alcohol abuse in general that or the expectation of being able to be allowed to um, express anger when you're drunk that for many people, BCC, um, Katie and Tom Schwartz on Pump Rules, there is the idea that if you're a monster to your loved one, but you do it after having too many cocktails, somehow it's explained away or allowed that you can say, Oh, I didn't mean it. I was just drunk when, you know, alcohol can be a truth serum. It can, you can be tempering down these feelings of anger and hatred and whatever else. And you're not allowing yourself to express them sober. So you're just kind of waiting to get drunk. I mean, it doesn't mean that that person is, it changes radically when it, right. they're drunk. It just means they're allowing themselves to reveal the darkness within, which is still, that's a greater problem to me. If you're not consistent, if you're not the same consistent person, drunk than sober, there is a problem when you are sober. Well, and I also think drunk. that, yeah, there's a problem of like, oh, I keep doing this awful thing when I'm drunk. I mean, same thing with, 
Kyle on Summer House. And I love drunk Kyle mm-hmm. on Summer House. But if he keeps getting drunk and making out with girls, the problem isn't mm-hmm. his fidelity. The problem is the drinking. And so it's like, so if you stop the drinking, he'll stop making out with other girls because he, you know, and, and I think that you, we do have to question these people when they keep getting drunk and engaging in the same bad behavior over and over again, like Katie and Tom. And, but then they mm-hmm. n- don't change their behavior. And so it's like, okay, so how are you benefiting from this behavior if you're not willing to change it? And if we think a little bit about, you know, the difference between Dorinda, um, you know, Jekyll and Hyde style from sobriety to drunkenness and P.S., just to sidebar, she was she can be a terrible person when she's sober, too. There was that moment in the Hamptons at whomever's house that was with Candace Bushnell, right? When she like lit into Sonia and she was drinking Diet Coke because she expressly said, oh, I yeah. don't want anybody to like blame this on drinking. I want to be a dick to you. Sober. stone cold sober so you can see what's up. But if you look at the difference between Dorinda sober and drunk and Sonia sober and drunk, Sonia leans in when she's drunk. Of course, she's a sloppy, hot mess. But she still does the Madame Morgan stuff yes. when she's sober as well. And I think sort of Well, and Sonia's a fun drunk credit. as opposed to Dorinda, who's a mean drunk. Yeah. Sonia's a fun drunk, but she's also – and she's also sloppy sober, which yeah. yes. means yes. – which it means that like obviously there's like a disconnect there with the life that she thinks she's still living or most recently lived versus her like one and a half bedroom house on Columbus Circle. You know, like right. she still thinks that the the yacht was only recently taken away when in fact there is a valley of time that's passed since, you know, the bank, as she says, yes. left her for Sonia 4.0. Mm-hmm. Um and I have a satchel of gold from Satchel of Gold, guys, in case you're new to the show, is um, listener comments, concerns, questions. Slide into my DMs uh, at Dame Galley on uh, uh, Instagram. Um, but I have a satchel of gold from Mackenzie in St. Louis who says, I'm curious about this trophy wife thing. Erica leaned into that label uh, this week talking about their age difference, questions about sex life, and saying the only thing she ever wanted from Tom was that he was proud of her. Daddy issues? And also making the point they've been married 20 years, which is a big deal. What is Sonia's hang up? If Erica can be realistic, why can't she? Full disclosure, my husband is 13 years older than I am, so I have been labeled as a trophy life, 14 years and 50 pounds. I could only wish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shout out to Mackenzie. Um, But what do you think, you know, Erica has leaned in and also kind of subverted the idea of a trophy wife because of all things Erica Girardi versus Erica Jane. But I really loved when when she said that where she was like, I'm tired of having to defend my 20 year marriage. Like if they didn't have a good marriage and it wasn't working for them, why would they still be together after like 20 years? And so I, I don't know that she's necessarily saying like, yeah, I'm a trophy wife and I'm proud of it. I think that she's saying like, there may be a discrepancy, but it works for us. And so fuck you. Um, right. As opposed to like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, Sonia was kind of clear. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define trophy wife. Like she was a much younger, uh, financially less well off person marrying a older, much richer gentleman. I mean, 
and she has to recognize that that's the case. And I, and I think that that's just whole a part of the whole, like you said, Madam Morgan thing and her trying to, you know, paint what she had in this golden light where, you know, maybe it necessarily wasn't the case. Yeah. And I think Sonia doesn't want to admit that she didn't have, she wasn't, that she didn't have power in her marriage. And so when Elise yeah. says you were just an accessory or whatever else, Sonia gets incredibly angry because similarly to wanting to blame their divorce on people whispering in her husband's ear or whatever. She doesn't want to admit that he chose her for a reason and divorce her for the same, right. that he chose her because she was young and beautiful and funny and kind, but he wanted, you know, the society pages. He wanted to have a beautiful woman on the yacht. Right. He wanted someone to take care of him. And he wasn't, necessarily interested in the kind of partnership that Dorinda and Richard had, for example. And yet, so she is very prickly around the phrase like trophy woman and yet a trophy woman, trophy wife. And yet everything she says in response sort of reinforces it. She talks about, I didn't marry the banker. I married the bank. Well, you're a, you're attaching right. a label to, to him and you're characterizing and yes, you're couching in terms of marriage and, and a, right. Right. Yeah. And, and trying and in terms and, of society, and proud of the fact that, you know, you married the richest possible guy. Right. And so she's trying to Mortimer shame Tinsley. Right. When that was a very, very, very different kind of marriage and relationship, like which Tinsley said, you know, Tinsley and Mortimer, uh, Tinsley and Mortimer, Tinsley, Mortimer and Topper Mortimer got married secretly when they were, I think, in high school, just after graduating from high school yeah. or something. Very, very young. It got annulled or whatever. And then they remarried or whatever happened. And sure, he was a society name. And sure, you know, tabloids and paparazzi were maybe interested in anointing her this like new society doyenne because of her last her married last name but also she was able to create her own career her own personality and everything else in a way that Sonia never did and probably never can right and it's not fair to say that two people who are in the same age in the same generation who are high school sweethearts that he was necessarily marrying her to be a trophy wife and if it it just doesn't it's it's so different from the more conservative classic relationship coupling that Sonia and Mr. Morgan had. And I think she's just focusing on the fact that, yes, Tinsley also married someone with a huge in New York society last name. But that's kind of where the similarities die. Well, I think what we should really be talking about in all of this is that this whole debate started with Elise, a bigger Mm -hmm. waste of space (laughs) than I have ever seen on a Real Housewives program. Like, what is Elise even doing here? Like... More of offensive than rest in peace Jennifer Gilbert, by the way, who at least had a job, was good at it, was there, smiling, looking awkward. Like Elise just doesn't fit in any way to the story being told. No, and doesn't seem to be able to bring it at all. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. seem interested. No one seems interested in her. Like, why are we foisting Elise upon us? I have no clue. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to pull out a random um, friend from Ramona's genuinely large friend circle, can't we pull back and get, like, Joni instead? Like, bring back Joni. Put Elise out to pasture unless she's talking specifically with details about her husband acting as a government witness or something. Uh, 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 What was he doing? He was, like, recording people or whatever after he got arrested for securities fraud. Like, unless we're talking about that, like, I don't want to... I don't want to know anything else. Like make, there are stories here to be told, like tell us them because, and maybe it's because just the nature that they were trying her out and it didn't work out. And now she's, I think she is technically a friend of technically a friend of. Yeah. Yeah. She's background actor. Plus she's not friend of, she's not giving us anything that we couldn't get with anybody else. I have just decided apropos of nothing that Elise is actually Kim D in a wig. Wow, what an insult to Kim D. Wow. <laughs> but now, How now whenever I watch you? her, I'm just going to think of Kim D in a wig, like just sitting there being like, oh my God, what what should I do? How could I like even handle this? I'm not <laughs> as good of an improv actress as I thought I was. And that will provide me with amusement that just watching with Elise would never provide me. <laughs> um, speaking of amusement, listen, we haven't necessarily reached the Eileen Davidson accord where f- you're five episodes in i don't think how many episodes into new york we are are four we? so the next one will be five okay well i need you to break the eileen davidson accord can you tell the ag listeners what that means and tell us your thoughts and feels about leah so i created what i call the eileen davidson accord because when she was first on uh real housewives of beverly hills it's like oh this lady she's so boring she's so dumb i don't want her around why do we even have her this is awful And then I grew to actually like her and be like, oh my God, I love Eileen. And then I had to be like, oh, sorry, Eileen. I like completely misjudged you like from the jump. And I realized that like judging these women on our first impressions on the first episode of their fitness as a housewife in general is not uh, really fair to them. So I wait five episodes into a Real Housewives first season in order to judge their fitness as a housewife which i think in time you you know we can see some more facets of them you know whatever and i am i will say very impressed with leah so far like i can't i the last time i was as impressed with a real housewife from the very beginning was erica jane and i Mm -hmm. think that like Leah fits in. She'll hold her own. She's interesting. She's funny. She, you know, is outrageous. She is uniquely herself. Um, She's not afraid to go toe to toe with the other women who have been there longer before. And it seems like most of the other women enjoy her and are going to let her in and participate in a way that like Ramona didn't allow Barbara Kay to participate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and Barbara Kay wasn't up for it. I'm so sorry. She's off getting hammered, but it's with nails. You know, like it's she wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a good fit. Yeah. No. And and I think that Leah is a great addition uh, so far. So I'm very pleased to see where she's going to go. I guess there's some problematic things in her past, maybe. Yeah, I um like she maybe tried I, to like excuse some me too stuff or 
Well, she said that Anthony Bourdain essentially killed himself as a reaction to the toxic feminism, as she puts it, that's associated with Me Too. And she said Trump isn't racist. In 2016, a couple months before the election, she said Trump isn't racist. It's just a part he's playing on TV because he's smart. And that no one who is in a marginalized community, specifically Muslim people, had anything to worry about. The wall was bullshit. Hillary's a criminal. And OPS, I'm not planning on voting. And... That was a trigger. I spoke to friend of the show, Kevin um, Fallon, recently in an article that he wrote for the Daily Beast about my thoughts toward Leah, which are complicated off screen because I essentially disagree vehemently with all of the expressed political opinions that she has or opinions about politics and life and on and there's like slut shaming stuff too it's not great and then on screen I'm obsessed with her and for whatever reason I've been able to separate the two understanding that a lot of the people that we hold up as like awesome people are also pretty much human garbage and that for whatever reason on camera I've just like fallen in love And then on Instagram yesterday, I think she said something about how she was, um, I think people were asking her why she was able to, um, support Trump, uh, when, and say the stuff about the tiki lights, which are tiki torches or whatever, which I was shocked about when I saw it on the episode. And then when I saw her reference it on watch what happens at home, I was like, oh shit, like it is, we've reached this point in our country when someone says white supremacy is when someone says white supremacy is bad, we're like, oh, is that, are you a Democrat? Right. <laughs> or that's yeah. become somehow a political conversation and not a human one. And so I was confused when she first referenced it on this week's app because I was like, oh, does she not support white supremacy? And then she said on um, IG that she really liked Andrew Yang during the primary and she was also like I didn't vote politics all suck whatever blah 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 which is a blanket statement right. um, when you sort of want to protect yourself and your own inner thoughts but the fact that she was for Yang and the fact that she said racism is bad I'm like oh shit maybe listen it doesn't take away from really really problematic statements that she said about me too it doesn't take right. away from stuff she said about sexuality and how a person should be quote unquote like allowed or not to um discuss and behave uh, about their own sexuality and feelings and whatever else but you know, she. we also can't necessarily write her off in the ways that we thought she could, even as recently as, like, earlier this week. Well, and, and I also feel like if we're looking for, for purity in our Real Housewives, we're never going to find it. And, like, she said these, you know, things not on the show. And we've seen Luann show up in actual blackface on the show. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Ramona Singer for sure voted for Trump. I mean, of course, she'd have that. Her couch voted for Trump. Yeah. Like they, everybody on that side. Voted right. For Trump. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. for us to be like, oh, Leah, you said these things, which, you know, you're right, aren't great, but also aren't so incredibly damning. You know, while there are other people who we know have engaged in horrible like, you know, anything Alexis Bellino ever said, I never agreed with. And, you know, and that doesn't mean she shouldn't be on The Real Housewives. I, you know, yeah. But I, I see what you're saying in that it's different in that we always hated Alexis, whereas with Leah, mm-hmm. we like her. And you're trying to square that with her 
statements. Um, and that is a kind of tricky game to play. And pivoting to Beverly Hills, you know, I got a DM from an AG listener who was like, wow, um, I really like Sutton on the show, but I am um, can't wait to find out like she's a Republican or something eye roll. And I was thinking, listen, first off, over half the viewership of Bravo shows are conservative viewers. Yeah. Um, you can only you only have to look at the polls that Andy did during the election cycle. Who do you think is going to win the election? And I think he was truly like the only person on a talk show whose viewers were able to accurately predict mm-hmm. um, what was ultimately going to go down. And with Sutton, I'm thinking like, is that a deal breaker for you that somebody is a conservative housewife? Because if that is, you cannot watch a single one of these franchises. Yeah. Uh, and also, why does that? Why is that a disservice to what I think is an excellent? Uh, first season in a very, very different way than what Leah is doing on New York. But for someone who is coming in to essentially continue in the role that Camille had been quasi forced to play, which is someone coming in with a different perspective who behaves differently, who's, you know, as cold as maybe a lot of us have thought that Erica has been the last couple seasons, but in a different way where it's not that she's disconnected necessarily to what's going on as it concerns production, but that she's someone coming in and saying passive aggressive shitty things. And like, yes, I have gobs of money and my friends might refer to me as Jesus Christ. Like all of that classic Camille behavior season one, I think a lot of it we're getting with Sutton who maybe is like, potentially a nicer person but also this playing the part of this old school serious southern bell and I appreciate that I again it's like if we're it's this is not the George Bush Al Gore who do you want to get a beer with most presidential campaign this is who is great at doing their job and do you have an understanding of the different roles that these women need to play and I think what they what Beverly Hills has done this season is essentially miraculous. I was strongly against Erica Jane continuing full time. I was strongly against Teddy. But what we saw this episode kind of reinforces the fact that maybe production didn't make a mistake. I mean, Teddy looks like a fucking moron with the yes. I care so much about you guys that I'm going to go in a completely different direction. And Erica Jane is being um, vulnerable in a way that I didn't think she could. Yeah. Again. Well, and I think that, yes. Holy shit. I think that production has definitely been pushing them. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. great. I mean, oh, I've always thought Teddy was a bit of a snooze, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Also, I really did not like last season when, with all the Brett Kavanaugh talk and that stuff around Camille, Mm -hmm. like, I, you know, all of that has infused our lives to such a degree and I find it to all be a bit exhausting that I don't want any of that in my real housewives like I just want this to be Mm -hmm. about did you show up at my party did you say this awful thing about me you know I don't want them to be arguing about real life things like I do that enough in the world I want this to be a bit of an escape uh, you know and yeah And, and I think that with that and in the spirit of bipartisanship, you know, I just, <laughs> well, like, just like I have friends who are, you know, like, um, yeah, who are conservative or, you know, mm-hmm. libertarian or something, something yeah, right, I necessarily yeah. don't agree with. I just kind of don't broach those topics with them, but we can still bond about all sorts of other things like Real Housewives. Um, so, 
Yeah. Um, but I don't like Sutton. I hate her. Oh, I just hate her. I find her to be so thirsty and so, ugh, like, I don't know. She just like wants it so bad. And I'm like, oh, you're trying so hard, Sutton, and you're not delivering anything. And it seems like none of the women are having her even for a second. But I like that we have someone that's coming in that's like a little bit of a prickly pear. I mean, I don't disagree with you in that things on Beverly Hills tend to be a little too nicey-nicey all the time. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt for her fitness as a cast member. But... um, Mm -hmm. I really don't enjoy her. But there are plenty of people who I don't enjoy who I'm like, oh, you're a great housewife. And what do you think about um, Erica's kind of return to form? You have so much experience and uh, have so many stories, I'm sure, from working with her and co-writing her book or writing her book or something her book, (laughs) booking her book. Um, So what are your thoughts on... I mean, you surely you have seen the response that people have been kind of communicating about her past couple seasons on the show. What do you think about her um, work so far, shall we say, this season? I think it's good. And I think it we're seeing more like the Erica that I got to see. Like this seems more like the real actual Erica. And I do think that she was holding back a bit the last couple seasons she did seem kind of annoyed about it and I think that we were even starting to see it at the end of last season like after Lisa Vanderpump kind of went away um and like at the reunion last season and and you know this is this is not anything Erica told me this isn't based on anything I know for sure but I'm I'm hoping that maybe some of the Lisa Vanderpumpiness of it her being gone has allowed Erica to come through a bit more because, um, you know, even from the very beginning when she was like, Lisa's a sniper from the side, you know, I think she's been skeptical around Lisa. And, um, yeah. And so I, I, I'm glad that she's willing to be more forthcoming. And I think, you know, because of what fans were saying, I, I feel like, I don't know this, but I feel like production was like, you know, we need a little bit more from you. And she seems to be delivering, and, and but in a way that, to me, is authentic to with who I understand her to be from, you know, spending time with her. And I also, I totally hear you and agree with you, and I also think that if we're going to talk about how Luann said that now her cast can breathe with Bethany's absence, yeah. that has to be at least doubled with the fact that LVP is gone. She's gone off to, like, fuck up pump rolls even more, and thank fucking God that... Beverly Hills is actually finding its way. Yeah, And Um, and I think that, you know, Erica, I do know is very concerned with what gets out there and, you know, how things are perceived with her about her. And I think that with Lisa Vanderpump around, she was very cautious about another Pantygate happening where it's like, she becomes the center of something that's like a nonsense story. And, um, and yeah, and I think that now she she feels more willing to kind of talk about what's going on in her life. So um, yeah, I, I'm glad to see her. I had a um, viewer 
ask me this week if they thought the reason that Dorit and PK were sort of quasi held to account about their financial improprieties was because it was somehow a way for production to pass to use it later on to passively uh, passive aggressively kind of dig at um, Denise, which I disagreed with. I think ultimately, if we're going to talk about production really shaping stuff this season, it feels like everyone realized it was way, way past the point of it being time for them to discuss these 9,000 different cases around PK and also for them to exhibit weird behave creepy behavior around this like when Dorit said of course he wouldn't co-sign on our largest possible asset our new home because um that's just what happens you just you don't he doesn't need to have a part of it and not the reality that of course they're doing this to um avoid uh at least several of his um creditors but when so I watched those moments and I was like, well, thank God it's kind of past time that we're talking about this. And I doubt that the women are going to bring this up at a dinner party, but at least production is doing so in a confessional. And I love the breaking of the fourth wall and all that. But do you think that they're going to apply that same kind of vulnerability and talking about legal shit and finances to what Kyle and, um, Erica Jane have had their spouses go through or do you think that that is off the table and PK and Dorit are the only sacrifice I mean I'm curious about that as well I think that the problem with PK and Dorit is that fans got a hold of the fact that she was accosted by that woman in Bermuda at the resort about the lawsuits and that they had footage of it and then they didn't do anything with it and I think that this was production's way of showing that, you know, and, and Dorit and PK were a bit more forthcoming about how PK lost all his money. And when they met, he was broke, et cetera, et cetera. But then they, they never explained how he made all that money back. And it wasn't by managing uh, boy, George. I mean, he has to make that much money. And so it just brings into light again, like, okay, so if you were broke, just, 10 years ago, how are you now affording a $6 million house? You know, it doesn't all add up and they're, they're trying to obfuscate something. And I think that what we were seeing from production was them saying like, just because you don't want this to be a storyline doesn't mean we're not going to let it be a storyline, which I think on Beverly Hills of all the places, I think the women sort of agree, okay, we're not going to talk about these things or, you know, they don't really want to tussle or, or bring up these issues in like, if say Atlanta, if Kenya had her creditors after her, Nini would be like, girl, your creditors are after you and say it on camera. And then they have Mm -hmm. to address it. Whereas in, in Beverly Hills, I don't think that would happen. So I think it's more of a way of, of kind of showing PK and Dorit that they need to be honest and talk about what's going on in their lives. In the same way that we saw it happen to Kenya um, when she got married off camera and wouldn't have Mark on the show and talk about things like that, them saying like, if you're not going to be open and honest about your life, then we're going to do it anyway. So, I mean, I think it's, it's what Erica and Maurice and Kyle went through with their spouse. I think it's a little bit different in that, you know, uh, the law Tom's lawsuit was entirely about Tom. And also it wasn't Mm -hmm. like Erica and Tom are pretending to have all this money they don't have. Like, I think they have all that money and he is successful and 
you know, who knows what happened with this lawsuit. Whereas PK and Dorit seem to be hiding something like, you know, in that, you know, where does this money come from? You know, and, and so I think it's ripe for question. You know, it's, it's like, are you buying all this Hermes China, uh, you know, off with no money and pretending like you're one thing when you're not like, I think that seems something that Mm -hmm. you need to interrogate more than whether or not that Tom Girardi had a, what may or may not be frivolous lawsuit. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I do also say just to like gently push back that some of the Tom Girardi stuff is that he was taking out, I think, like crazy loans. And there were there was a response to that where people were asking, is this how Erica is able to present the life that they don't need to like aspire to like does that make any sense like erica was using some of the loan money to pay for the glam to pay for the 50k a month she was spending on on whatever and that she by all accounts had been living a life of luxury before the show but has increased it tenfold since joining i don't think she was using the glam in the sense that she was before joining the show um in the way that she has and the way that she does on camera where she's flying her glam business class to like Dubai or whatever right. so that they can do her makeup before she goes to dinner. I don't think that that was something that she ever thought she would need to do right? because she wasn't on camera before. She was just living her life as a woman in this marriage for 150 years with this older <laughs> guy who had a lot of money right. and it worked for them. And then it's like you throw in a camera crew and there is the natural inclination to play it up. Right. And so for me, the question is like, well, who's ultimately you know, paying that bill, yeah. you know, like it's Tom, but whose money is he using? Right. Uh, yeah. I think that's fair. I don't know enough about that lawsuit and like what happened with it to say like one way or another, Oh, you know, what's going on. But I think with PK and Dorit, we've been talking since they got on the show about where their money comes from. Right. And, and I feel like it's a question that they should answer and they keep being really evasive about it. And I do appreciate that we see like, they're showing us guys were trying and they are just like stonewall. And I thought it was and so gross I, yeah. when Dorit was like, um, you know, says to the producer, well, who, whose name is your house under? Yeah. And it's like, bitch, I can't afford a $6 million house and I'm not on a fucking reality show. So screw right. you. <laughs> Yeah, she was, I mean, my God, when he was asking her for a mint and they were just like awkwardly sucking on their like little minty goodness as a way to, I think, get some of their anxiety out while the cameras are on them and they're being forced to talk about shit they've been trying to hide for years. I mean, my God, Insta classic. The outfits that they were, it was like comically atrocious. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Um. And do you have any inside scoop? Have you spoken to Erica recently and or during filming? Do you have any inside scoop on what's going to happen with this? Or have you heard anything about inside scoop about what's going to happen with Denise and Brandy? I have not heard anything. Um, I was chatting with Erica because I was trying to go see her in Chicago. And that didn't end up happening (laughs) because of coronavirus Mm -hmm. concerns, which I'm devastated about. Um, but yeah, she was like super busy with that and really focused on that. So I haven't really chatted with her other than, you know, that kind of stuff. So I've been meaning to reach out and be like, girl, how's your lockdown going? So I, I should do that. 
Um, and what do you think is going to happen? I mean, do you, there are rumors that obviously it's like the, did they hook up? Was she cheating or whatever? But there's also this extra layer that maybe the reason the women get involved so much is because Brandy told them about shit what Denise was saying, which like Denise, and you deserve a lot of this craziness. If you thought you could ever trust Brandy Glanville oh my to God. keep a secret. And that's my what God. I don't get is of all the people in the world who you're going to have a lesbian affair with and you, when you're Denise Richards, you're going to pick Brandy Glanville? Yeah. And I think about that and I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. And then I remember that this is a woman who married Charlie right. Sheen. Yes. And so obviously, as much as I love and adore and respect Denise Richards, something is going on. Yeah. You know? She does have some questionable decision-making skills. Yes. As wonderful as she is in many ways in reacting to them, somebody's not yeah. home. You know? Yeah. Oh, I love that husband so, so much, though. Oh, my God. The things I want him to do to me. He can <laughs> clip fucking weird electrodes on my ears. Oh, my God. He can throw me on some electromagnetic blanket and just, oh, whatever he wants. But <laughs> to get back to your question, I think so, that... Uh, I think it's going to be a combination of that. And also I think it's going to be a uh, question of this kind of Charlie Sheen custody mm -hmm. stuff and her not maybe wanting some of this to come out on the show because she's afraid of how it's going to affect her family, which I think is a very real concern. And I think mm -hmm. it's also, and you know, some people have said like, Oh, who cares? We know what's going to happen with the season. It's been in the tabloids, but I, I'm hoping that it's going to be a lot more nuanced than did she or did she not fuck Brandy. And right. I'm hoping right. that at its best, it's going to be kind of a uh, 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 inquisition on, you know, how much of your life do you want on television and, and what are the boundaries of that and, and how far will you go and, um, and, and how far are you willing to let, your truth be known and have it maybe or not fuck up your life. I think that could be really interesting. And what happens when you choose the wrong person in which to confide yeah. and confide who also, as we all know, has a vested interest, all financial, some fame related to returning to the show. Yeah. When you choose that person, which seems like such inherently self-destructive behavior for Denise to say, this is the person yeah. in whom I want to confide. What are you left with as a result? Well, I think part of that does make sense in that, you know, there are only so many people who understand how these shows are made and what goes into all of it. And Brandy is clearly one of those people. And so to talk to her about these things makes sense. But also, she's still Brandy Glanville. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm God curious bless. how much Brandy we're going to see. I hope as little as possible. And I'm sorry. I know people want her back, but it's like, sweetie, this isn't game night, Brandy. This is this is not the woman who initially joined the show and was of interest to the viewers and the show. This is a woman who's desperate to return, who remembers that we thought she was fun when she's drunk and and has responded tenfold in kind on social media and otherwise, who is not 
who is not capable of being the kind of brandy that you think still lives here. Yeah. And so I, I small dose of brandy to me goes a very long and, and most of the time too long away. Yeah. So well, I will say, I, I don't know. I, I have in, very low expectations. I'm appreciative if she, if she helps with plot in some way, but I absolutely do not need her back in any kind of formal style. I will say I mean, do you think in she, Brandy Glanville's yeah, defense that Ugh. though I don't agree with her tactics and, you know, she always, you know, she would always be like, fuck you, or she would hit somebody or, you know, she would always react much too strongly. But mm -hmm. in her defense, Brandy was always right. And, and I think that she, what eventually happened with Lisa Vanderpump, I think has acquitted Brandy quite nicely. And that she was the first one to be like, Lisa Vanderpump is doing all of this shit to you guys and you don't even know it. And, and standing up to her and she got punished for that mostly because she can't keep her temper in check. And, and mm -hmm. yeah. And I say that the, the same thing about tell Kelly Dodd too, is that, you know, Kelly Dodd is usually right, but she reacts so mm -hmm. poorly that she ends up being wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and I think mm -hmm. that that, so in Brandy's defense, I will say that, but you're a hundred percent correct. I don't think she needs to be back on the show because she's just so far out there. It's just like too much. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll just see what, we'll see what happens, but I have, I, I have very high hopes. I was really, really overwhelmed and almost to be honest, like a little emo about this week's shows, you know, even if Atlanta wasn't as great as it could be, I have hope for whatever the fuck goes down on the re reunion. And if anybody, if any cast was able to do a zoom and still have watchable drama, it is Atlanta yeah. who even on a middling season still have moments where at the, they're at the very, very top of their game. And New York to me delivered an escapist return to form yeah. that was genuinely enjoyable and to me not troubling. And Beverly Hills had a wit and a humor that I didn't know and like a a shaping of how the story was told that's different from how it's been done yeah. for a couple seasons and we're all the better for it. I have two questions for you that have been very divisive in my household because my husband is um, as big of a Bravo fan as the two of us are, though he doesn't talk about it Ooh. much outside of our household. Um, but oh so, God. okay, these are my two questions. The first of which is... Okay. Will I have sex with your husband? I will. <laughs> <Okay>. Question. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he would feel, feel about that, but you're, well, you're, you're welcome to I don't think he would be as interested. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, sorry. The first of which is, how do you feel about Todd, uh, Candy's husband? I feel good about him. I feel that he um, can be standoffish in a way that I understand. Um, thinking about how he joined the show, he was a part of the show until yeah. he fell in love with somebody on the show. Um, he was on production. Um, I think that he can be passive aggressive in a way that a lot of specifically men can. Yep. Um, I think that he was stressed out. And when he saw 
uh, Candy and Mama Joyce and still, as she said, you know, a high is free and high doesn't cost you anything should have said come over and said hi. But I get it. And I also think he has to be incredibly confident in a positive way and mature in order to have survived Mama Joyce as your as his mother-in-law for so long. And even if he sometimes acts out in a way, I would turn that back and say, well, how much pressure is he under having to interact with a woman who is so deeply invested in his marriage failing seemingly all the time that only when her second grandchild with him comes into the picture, has she decided to like give him another shot years after he started dating Candy. So I think he's a good guy who sometimes lashes out, who has, like a passive aggressive version of a temper, but I think they're perfectly suited for each other. I love candy. I love Todd. And you know, what did Nini say one time? She's like, they're both little. So of course they would fall in love. (laughs) Like I just, I wish them the best. I think he's great. What are your thoughts? I completely agree with you. And that means my husband is wrong. And that's all I really want to hear. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Was there a second? Hey, that Todd gets on candy about working too much. Like he's like, oh no, I think he's right. Yeah, I think he's right too. And I think that he's right in saying like, you know, I'm invested in our success and I want you to do the best and I'm going to support you, but here are my boundaries and, and here is what I need from you. And, and I need you to deliver on that. And I think that that is completely fair. And, and she seems to be receptive to that. And, but yeah, and I think we, we all think mama Joyce is a monster, so we can all agree on that. Yeah, she's she's complete trash. And I think with Candy, you know, some of it is understandable if she has had in her past, maybe before marrying Todd, a record of being overbooked, overbooked, overbooked so she can get paid. And it's she's in a different space in her life right now. And she has to be held responsible to people who need her time, which isn't texting, which isn't FaceTiming, where she needs to be in her house, a presence for her kids, especially because Ace is like super, super young and they need her right now. And, And I think Todd is right to say that what I need in this relationship is not you're not giving me enough. And so when Candy says, well, I'm overbooked and they're used to overscheduling me, I get that. But I also think if, you know, saying hi, there's right. uh, doesn't cost a thing. Neither does calling Don Juan and saying, listen, um, weekends are out in the, for the near future. Yeah. If I have a week or month or space of time in which I'm not booked, then I don't need to make a check. I need to yeah. like cash in the one that I wrote to my husband when we got married, which is being there, being a supportive partner and not assuming that he is always going to decide to be the one to stay at home. He has the right to say, I have been the in-person caregiver for these kids when you're out on tour with escape or when you're shooting a show or whatever else. And I want you to do the same for me now. He has every right to ask for that and to have that conversation. And I think part of what being in a relationship, I know this based on my years of being single, (laughs) is, is to say that what I was okay with doing before I've changed. I'm not that way anymore. And we need to adjust and adapt. He has every right to say it. And I think that also shows the health of their relationship in which they're having these conversations. He's not responding to being upset by like fucking somebody else, which is something that, for example, I think 52 slash 53 cent should be a little worried of if her fiance responds to frustration or anger or even nothing with having an affair if we're going to talk about the kind of you know like how drunkenness can help with exhibiting 
deep-seated angst then I think the same can be said for like cheating on your significant other and I think at least with Todd they can have these fights and have these moments and they can stomp off and come back together and he's not exhibiting the kind of poor behavior that even her mother is so willing to do you know I think he's great I think he's great was there a part two to that or did I cover it it. and I we are on completely the same page as I knew we would be but I have one other question for you, and that yeah. is, how do you feel about Luke on Summer House? Um, I, okay, so <laughs> I had Hannah on the People's People's Couch back when we were allowed to, like, sit near each yeah. people and each other, and she was talking about how Luke like likes a curvy woman or something and I was like okay but I think his version of curvy is like a right, right. Um, yeah. which god As bless to a zero. <laughs> like, yeah right um so god bless I I think he's garbage I err on the side of Paige and Amanda but I wouldn't let that have that stop me from like fucking yeah. him um, I don't think he's boyfriend material. I think he's trying to gaslight her by saying like, I care a lot about you. I really like you. Let's stop thinking about that girl that I've like essentially said I'm in a relationship right. with because I care about you. I'm, I'm a different guy than the kind of guy that I I'm showing you. I am, but I would a hundred percent still sleep with him because that's a pony that knows more than a couple tricks. That, um, so yeah. like giddy up. <laughs> I don't know. What nope, do you think? That's the right answer. <laughs> I don't understand why um, Paige and Amanda hate him so much, especially can. Oh, I do. Well, like I see how he is a very specific type of dude, but I, mm-hmm. I mean, Amanda has taken Kyle back so many times. Like, can't yeah. she let Hannah make her own mistakes with Luke? Yeah, no, Amanda has less. Uh, of a defense in which to say that like be- I um, took back a piece of shit that doesn't deserve me that continues to quasi gaslight me so I'm going to give you relationship right. advice I do think Paige is in a better position to say something and probably has a, a much clo- and certainly has a much closer relationship to Hannah than Amanda does but I do think Paige is in the right to be like he doesn't deserve you. But then I also think unless this person is constantly calling you up, unless your girlfriend is constantly calling up and saying, he's a piece of shit. I'm so obsessed. I'm so upset about him. Blah, blah, blah. You kind of have to let it go. Sometimes the best way to to show a friend that this. Right. And then like, let go and let God, like I, who I don't believe in, I have had friends that are in shitty relationships. Most of these people I I no longer speak to. I've had people that I know get married to someone that I know they're going to be a shitty spouse to, or that I know is going to be a shitty spouse. And my kind of frame of mind with a lot of this stuff for many years is like, thank God I am not in your relationship and that's all on you. Like I have the pleasure of getting to make my own choice. And if you want to choose to make your life difficult, God bless, you know, like gifts in the mail. Like this is my present to you by shutting the fuck up. Agree. And the, the worst part about this is that's kind of what Lindsay is saying is let them make their own mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I hate anything that makes, puts me on the same side as Lindsay Hubbard because she is uh, like a hurricane happening during an earthquake. She's just insane. 
And she's so unsympathetic when you rewatch season oh, yeah. one, which I've been doing accidentally. She's like such a nightmare. You feel for Christina, who's sort of yeah. similar to Teddy in the sense that like this person doesn't work on this show in any yeah. way. And you kind of want to like adopt them into whatever home Lucy Lucy is now <laughs> residing in. Um, and they all treated her but like, like in another shit. And they were also convinced yeah. that she was an awful person. It's like, she didn't do anything wrong, guys. Like, what is what are you so mad about? Yeah, she was just sort of responding to stuff that was insane as it was happening in real time, which maybe doesn't make her great on a reality show, but doesn't necessarily make her the yeah. devil. And now I look at Lindsay Hubbard and I'm like, my God, are you a queen? I, I have no choice but to stand. I feel <laughs> right. like she's great on the show. She's fully embraced her full Bravo Lab and we're all the better for Absolutely, it. Absolutely, 100%. I think that Summer House, for all of you out there who aren't watching it, is the new mm. Vanderpump Rules, and we all need to support Summer House. And I am so afeared that this won't be over by June, that we won't get a next year's season of Summer House. I can't even tell you what, what is going on. I mean, okay, that house is fucking yes. wired with, with security cameras. Just fucking quarantine those bitches <laughs> in there and film it remotely and, you know... Yeah. Call it a day. Well, my thing is, why why couldn't it be, I know it's summer house, but why couldn't it be fall house? <laughs> like, why couldn't it be, like, late autumn house or winter house? Like, they could get any kind of house upstate or use the same one or whatever and film in the winter months and release it next year. I think that's probably the easiest Bravo show to do um, and to adapt to with the quarantine. If we understand that it will be summer house fall edition or something I think it's still able to be done and the idea that they're not filming now and that means we won't get something next year is like too much I think that there's a way that they can adapt and adjust I think we just need to know that on weekends instead of it happening right. on summer months and in the sun they'll put on their bikinis and get hypothermia upstate and right. still it'll still be I great. mean you know send them like, to Bluestone Manor and let Dorinda be their Mrs. Roper oh and can you imagine <laughs> I mean Holy Kyle shit. or Carl hooking up with girls in the fish room <laughs> it's the crossover we deserve he is such garbage but he's so tall and he you know so it's, it cancels each other out hot. he's so oh tall he's so attractive but he's such a horrible person he's so he's like both a moron and awful and I just love to dislike him but like yes just I don't know I he's just magical can I um can we briefly talk about something else that's magical uh can you tell the listeners about your work on the um unauthorized but deeply exciting bravo tome that you're currently yeah so i'm uh writing a book about the real housewives franchise so sorry vanderpump rules and summer house and below deck housewives (laughs) only um but it's about the history of it like how you know how it got started and some behind the scenes stuff and how the episodes get made and then the cultural impact of it and you know the fan communities around it and bravo con and um there's a whole chapter about when i went on vacation with vicky to puerto vallarta (gasps) um oh my god yeah from from which i met like what have become lifelong friends i mean i hung out with them at bravo con we follow each other on socials we chat i mean it's been great 
Um, so yeah, so I'm working on that. I have to have a draft done by Memorial Day and then we'll be like oh revising it and working on it over the summer. And then it'll hopefully be out sometime in fall 2021. So. And what, what is Bravo's reaction to that, Ben? You're incredibly well-known in the um, Bravo and Bravo-holic community, as I referenced at the beginning of the episodes. Your New York Magazine and Vulture recaps are essentially canon. How have they responded to news about this forthcoming They book? are not participating and, in fact, trying to um, keep me from getting as much access as they can keep me from getting. But... Um, I talked to a bunch of housewives, uh, mostly former, no current housewives. Mm-hmm. Um, so all former housewives. I've talked a bit, but I've talked to a lot of, um, you know, producers, editors, camera people, uh, casting directors, things like that. Um, most of whom won't uh, let me use their names because they want to keep working for Bravo. So, um yeah. So, and then wow. I've just been going through all the podcasts and things that people have done. Um, I don't know if you went to any, but the producer panels at BravoCon were of great. Um, so, you know, learning stuff there. And so just using those to kind of talk about other things that I have um, learned throughout my time uh, researching. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, set out with the goal of answering all the questions that fans might have about the show which i as a fan have about the show and so i hope that we can um uh yeah answer all those questions um and did you have any interactions with any bravo executives when you were at BravoCon? i mean surely they knew that you were there uh, no uh, i did anybody say anything to you or were they consciously trying to stay away entirely vulture um, asked for a press pass for me. And they told me that I was not welcome at BravoCon. (laughs) So I bought a ticket like anybody else um, and went, but I was afraid that they were going to see me and ask me to leave. So I Mm -hmm. went in disguise. You should have just disguised yourself as a member of Erica's band. I know I should have. Well, then like, so then they had those weird, like, uh, meet and greets with the where you can get mm-hmm. your picture taken and so i waited in line to get my picture taken with the real houses in beverly hills and then i got to the front of the line and erica was like what the fuck are you doing here like why did you wait in line and i was like girl i'm trying to keep a low profile <laughs> well the next time you talk to erica jane please let her know i'm so happy that she's um returned to the Erica Girardi that I once knew and loved. I will do. Um, I think it's a miraculous return. And so shout out to her and whomever is giving her counsel, yourself included, because she's listening and we're all the Good. better as a result. Um, Guys, listen, if you don't follow Andy's Girls, Patreon, yada, you're really missing out. Um, It's my great pleasure to talk to Lady of London, Brian James Moylan today. And it's my great pleasure to give you guys bonus content. So if you're not, if you haven't signed up for the Andrew Scrolls Patreon. It's the single, single best way to support myself, my um, decrepit checking account, and the future of the show. Uh, and you get like tons of free bonus episodes, including one I just recorded where I talked and did a deep dive into all things this week Atlanta, Beverly Hills, um, uh, New York, Kelly Dodd, and much, much more. So that's exclusive 40 minutes. 
episode that you get just for signing up and supporting the Andes girls. And it costs as little as $2 a month. So go to patreon.com slash Andes girls, sign the fuck up. Um, Brian James Moylan, I am so excited to read that goddamn book. Oh, you better send you. me a hashtag galley of it because I cannot wait. I'm like literally count. This is like the new um, ladies who punch. Like I cannot wait. Just like that deep dive into the view, which I just read this oh, week so finally good. and was obsessed with. So good. I know that your book is going to is going to like change the landscape and I cannot wait. Can you tell um, the AGs how to keep in touch with you online? read about you um, more so i'm currently recapping beverly hills new york vanderpump rules and summer mm. house for vulture.com oh the recaps go up Ugh, as everything. soon as the episodes finish airing on the east coast and um you can find me on all social media platforms at brian j moylan um can i ask you yeah. one more quick question do you think jill zarin is gonna get an apple no i don't think so do you think no. she should? Have you heard from her no, lately? No, I have not. Have you? Do you have insider info? Um, I haven't heard from her about the about that. I was supposed to have her on AG before yeah. this whole shit went down. I see what she's doing with like, uh, what is it? Nauseous for nurses, which I think yeah. is great. She's getting all this food sent to hospitals um, to feed our uh, amazing um, medical workers who are on the front lines. Um, but I, I don't think she will. I think she, if she would have, it would have been after Dennis rest in peace. But I, and I actually don't know that it's as needed as it would have been after, no. you know, in Bethany, what would have been Bethany's last season. But if she did return, would love it. I think I'm it would also, be great. But I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. And I need it I'm less. I'm ideologically opposed to bringing house eyes back. <gasps> yeah. What? I, I believe like keep going forward keep finding new people wow I couldn't disagree with you more I love a return oh my god I love it it feels like the universe is whole again it's my Avengers are back <laughs> like one of them took a nap or asked too much or had a shitty contract and they're back and crazier I than like ever. a check-in oh, like when it. Alexis and Emily had lunch mm -hmm. Gina yeah. Oh, or yeah, like a yeah. Camille's invited to the party or an Adrian Malouf shows up. Mm -hmm. Like, I like a check-in, but mm -hmm. not full-time. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that you came on, Andy's Girls. It's my pleasure. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with you. Love you. Can't wait to read the book. Guys, Instagram at Dame Galley. Um, tell us your thoughts and feels on this week's app. I hope that the audio was good. I think it will be. We tried something out new this week. Uh, and I know uh, fingers crossed. And guys, if you didn't love it, we don't want to hear from you. So just tell us how much you love us. And that's the way we roll with the show. And um, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Uh, bye bye.